Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. There's a kingdom that's coming, and we know it will come in its fullness when Jesus returns to the earth. But in the meantime, the kingdom is taking territory. Not territory in the sense of land, but territory in the sense of people. When we talk about the advancement of the kingdom, we're talking about more and more people coming under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 19, verses 1 through 20, in a message titled, The Church, God's Outpost. Now, here's Pastor Brian. So we're carrying on, as you see in our study through Acts, and and this, this chapter and the establishing of the church in Ephesus, it's so instructional for us, and I want to look at it today. There, there's so many different ways that we could look at this passage, or so many different aspects that we could focus in on, but I, I want to kind of take a, a more of a general type of a look at it, and I, wa- I want us to see it as a uh, as, as kind of a model for what God intends a church to be in a community. So here, as we read over these verses, we, we see this is really the account of the establishing of the Ephesian church. And, you know, even when we say Ephesus or Ephesians, you know, we, we have been Christians for a while. That just, you know, suddenly rings a bell. Because, of course, we have uh, the epistle to the Ephesians. We have one of the letters to the seven churches that was written to uh, the church in Ephesus. We we see here from the story that uh, Paul is the founder of the church. But we know from other information in the New Testament that Timothy had a major role and actually probably was uh, in the role of, of the pastor of the church in Ephesus at a period in time. And and we even know from church history that John the Apostle in his later years would be connected to the church in Ephesus. So this is really, uh, as I said, I think it's just really a a key text in, in looking at what the church is to look like. So just quickly, as we've often done, just a little bit of background on the city of Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital and port city of the Roman province of Asia. So, you know, as, as we read in there, that all who were in Asia heard the word of the Lord. So today, when we think of Asia, we're, we're thinking of a place that's much different than the place here. So that, so that, that region that we think of um, as Turkey today and part of the Middle East you know, that, that would be considered even today by some as Asia Minor. But, but this was the province, the Roman province of Asia, and Ephesus was the capital city. So the city was on the western coast of what is now Turkey, and it was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire with a population of probably somewhere around 
500,000 people, half a million people or so. So it was a, it was a very significant city at the time. Uh, the city was home to many idols, temples there, the most famous being that of Artemis, or as she's also called here later in the text, Diana. And Ephesus was a center of commerce, a center of idolatry, a center of sexual immorality, and it was a, a center of the occult, as we could even see in the passage that we read. So in other words, it was just like most major cities in the world today, a hard, dark place filled with broken people. And it was into this kind of an environment that the apostles went over and over again. So, you know, we, we previously looked at the church being established in Corinth, and we talked about the kind of just the, the social and moral conditions of Corinth. So, so all of these cities were, were very similar. They were given over to idolatry, many of them, because, because Paul had sort of a habit, it wasn't exclusively like this, but he would go to the major population centers, and he would also go to the places where commerce took place because people were in and out of those places. So he wanted to capitalize on the population centers to get the gospel spread as far and wide as possible. So now Ephesus is the next stop, if you will, where here's another major hub where Paul understands that this would be an ideal place for the church to be established. And obviously the Lord is uh, leading him to do this. So this is what they did. They went over and over again with the gospel of Jesus Christ to establish churches, which would then become outpost of the kingdom of God on earth. And that's really what I want to emphasize today. I want to talk about just this whole idea of, of the church being God's outpost in the world. Eugene Peterson referred to the local church as a colony of heaven in a country of death. C.S. Lewis expressed a similar idea when he said this, enemy-occupied territory, that is what the world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say landed in disguise, and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you are really listening in to a secret radio transmission from our friends. So that's what's happening today. There's a secret, <laughs> this is C.S. Lewis is writing this in his time, you know, when it was a radio transmission. He actually used the word wireless. Today, if we said wireless, we would think of wireless internet, right? But, but the picture that he's painting is, you know, here's, here's people behind enemy lines there to subvert this kingdom of darkness. And as we come together, we're getting instruction from our friends who are our friends, the Lord, and the, the heavenly message that he's giving to us. And so in, in both of those statements, the, uh, the church as a colony of heaven and a country of death, and then this statement from Lewis this is what we see. The church is God's outpost. It's his earthly base of operation, in other words. Now, there's a kingdom that's coming. And we know it will come in its fullness when Jesus returns to the earth. But in the meantime, 
the kingdom is taking territory. Not territory in the sense of land, but territory in the sense of people. And that, that's really, when we talk about the advancement of the kingdom, we're talking about more and more people coming under the lordship of Jesus Christ. We're talking about more and more people being brought into God's kingdom through the receiving of the gospel. And so here we see in the passage that we read, and we see it in Paul's ministry and in the subsequent church that was established in Ephesus, uh, we see five things that mark the church as an outpost of God in the world, and those are the five things that I want to focus on for just a few minutes here today. So the church as an outpost of God is, number one, a place where believers can grow in their understanding of God's truth and experience his presence. Look once again at verses one through six. Uh, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. So, so we see right here from Paul's ministry, what is Paul doing? He's teaching them the truth. He's, he's helping them to understand uh, things that they were not yet understanding. And, and this is what the church is to be. The church, as an outpost of God in the world, is a place where people can learn about God. But how do we learn about God? We learn about God through the revelation that God has given us of himself through the scriptures. So, you know, any church that sets aside the Bible or any church that just gives lip service to the Bible but doesn't really, you know, actually preach it and teach it and believe it is not really the church. Whatever it is, it is not the church because the church, as Paul would say to Timothy, is the pillar and the mainstay of the truth And it's our calling to proclaim the truth, to promote the truth, to defend the truth, but to teach God's people. Now, I've mentioned this previously, but I think it bears saying again, uh, there's there's an epidemic of biblical illiteracy. Uh, Of course, it's in the culture. It's blatant in the culture, but, but sadly, it is the condition of many churches as well because people have forgotten what the church is. It is, uh, it is that place. It's that one place where the knowledge of God is to be disseminated. You know, you think of the, of the university. You know, what is a university? A university is a place where all of this accumulated knowledge of man is disseminated. And, and then that's fine. But where's the place where the knowledge of God is disseminated? Well, that's the church. 
And so we, we see this with Paul. He, he goes there. He sees these uh, just a handful of disciples. He recognizes that there's something incomplete in their understanding. And so he instructs them. He teaches them. He tells them about, they, they just knew about the ministry of John. They hadn't really heard so much about the Lord Jesus. Now, Apollos, we looked at him previously. He was, had a similar kind of a thing, but his was different because Apollos did understand about Jesus, but he had only received the baptism of John. These guys didn't even really know the gospel, and that's why it's, it, you know, the text makes it clear that Paul shared with them about the Lord Jesus. Then they were baptized in the name of Jesus. But, but this is our job, and this is what a church should be. And when a person walks into a gathered congregation, one of the things that should be very obvious to them is that, wow, they're talking about God. They're reading from the Bible. They're opening the Bible and telling us what the Bible says. We have a tremendous amount of biblical ignorance in uh, the culture today. My son was telling me about a, a friend who made a comment recently, and it was such a, an accurate statement. He was talking about kind of what's happening in the culture. There's scripture being thrown around, you know, and uh, politicians are quoting the Bible, and then people are pushing back on that and accusing them of misapplication, and you know, there's all, all kinds of that type of stuff going on in the culture, and but what this guy said, or the way he sort of assessed it, he said this. He said, what we have right now is we have a biblically illiterate culture using the Bible to critique a biblically illiterate church. That is true, and that is a problem. But that's what God's outpost in the world is to be about. It's to be about instructing people, teaching them, and not just teaching, but also we see here allowing for an experience with God, because Paul teaches them what they needed to know. He, he corrects their misunderstanding, but then it says that he lays his hands on them. He prays for them. They're filled with the Spirit. They speak in tongues, and they prophesy. So the church is not just a lecture hall. It's not just a place where we disseminate information. It is a place as well where people can experience God, where people realize that, you know, God is, is real. I heard about him today. I heard things that I never knew. And not only that, I, I actually felt his presence. I had an experience with him. So that's the first thing. Secondly, the church as an outpost of God is to be a place where skeptics, unbelievers, and seekers can hear a reasonable presentation of the faith. Look at verses 8 and 9. Now Paul went into the synagogue, and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened, this has happened already previously in other places, some, some were hardened and did not believe, but spoke evil of the way before the multitude. He departed from them and withdrew the disciples. And this word, once again, we've looked at it previously, but reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years so that all who dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So 
Paul reasoned, and we, and we talked about that before, but the church it, as, as an outpost of God is to be a place where skeptics, unbelievers, and seekers can hear a reasonable presentation of the faith. And we, and we might use the word here, apologetics. Some of you know what that word means. Apologetics is a word that describes defending the faith or, or giving answers for the faith. You know, there's a lot of things in the culture that challenge the biblical instruction or, or the, the biblical position. And so the church as an outpost of God is to be a place where even skeptics could come, where critics could come, where, where people who are uh, at the present time unbelievers and even seekers, but they could come and they could hear something that would challenge their presuppositions. They could hear something that would that would really make them think. You know, Christians have been accused, and sometimes it's just the way it goes, but, you know, Christians have been accused of ch checking their brain at the door. And, uh, you know, oh, yeah, those Christians, you know, they're just, you know, they're foolish and they're uh, uneducated and they're, you know, they just believe all these superstitions and things. And, of course, that's, that's a false narrative. But... Sometimes we kind of lend support to the false narrative because there are certainly, you know, times and places where you can hear people that are, you know, gi giving a, a, maybe a presentation of the faith that isn't well-reasoned. It's not really thought out. It's not presented intelligently. You know, all you got to do is read the Bible and it becomes quite obvious that the, this is not a book about superstition. This is not a book full of myths. This is certainly not a book full of misinformation. When you read the Bible, you're like, what? Wow, the Bible says that? I, I find this all the time. People are absolutely shocked when they read the Bible or when they hear it being taught. They're like, wait a second. It, it sounded like what you were saying was like, like that was like a historical event. Yes, that's what we're saying. It was a historical event. Jesus lived in history. It's not a figment of somebody's imagination. He's not a myth. He's not a made-up deity. He lived in history, and we've got dates and times and places, and he died on a cross. He was sentenced by a Roman governor to death, and guess what? He rose again from the dead, and lots of people saw him resurrected, and there were eyewitnesses and you know testimony and all that and and these are the kinds of things now of course we're living in a time i think where the assault against the faith is it, it's on a level that it hasn't been in my lifetime it's never been like this and i, I don't think in the in the culture of the west it's it's ever been as intense as it is today and there's the constant questioning and criticizing, as I said a moment ago, a biblically illiterate culture using the Bible. Now, again, we're looking at the church as an outpost of God. This is to be a place, skeptics are welcome, unbelievers are welcome, seekers are welcome, because what you find is that people latch on to the myths in the culture. We've got to be the people, and our churches have to be the place where they can get the right information. But you know, if you go into a church and there's no emphasis on, on the Bible, 
if there's no preaching of God's word, if there's no teaching of God's word, and it's just a big emotional free-for-all, you know, I mean, somebody might get touched emotionally for a moment, but an emotional experience is not going to take you from darkness to light, and that's the transition that needs to be made. So the church is to be a place where there's a, a clear, intelligent presentation of the truth. Thirdly, the church as an outpost of God is to be a place where miracles are witnessed. Look at verses 11 and 12. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the disciples left them and the evil spirits or the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. A place where miracles are witnessed. As much as we are committed to, like I just said a moment ago, that intelligent presentation of God's truth, we don't apologize for believing in miracles. You know, some people say, well, you know, the Bible would be believable if you just took the miracles out of it. No, it wouldn't. Took the miracles out of it, you wouldn't have anything left. But listen, the Christian faith is a faith that is based on the supernatural. It is based on the miraculous. God intervenes. A miracle is God's intervention into the natural processes. And, and that, the Bible is full of that. And for us today, as an outpost of the kingdom, as, as people come through our doors, again, this should be a place where people sense the miraculous, where people uh, experience God's miraculous power upon their lives. I love the way Paul describes in, in his letter to the Corinthians when he's talking about the gift of prophecy happening in the church. And prophecy, of course, is speaking God's word, and in that context, it's speaking it like spontaneously, like God is, you know, giving people words, like, like right then. He's giving people words regarding their lives and their situations and, you know, direction and, and all of that. But, but Paul says this. He says, if, if the unbeliever comes in and everybody's prophesying or they sense that, man, you know, let's just say an unbeliever comes in and all of a sudden somebody is saying something that is a literal description of their life. And suddenly they realize, wait a second, what's going on here? That, that person's talking to me. And Paul says this, when that happens, that person will be convicted and they will fall on their face and they will say, God is among you. And that is what we're talking about here. There were miraculous things that were happening. Now, granted, here we're told that um, it, these were unusual miracles. This, this wasn't the norm, but it was miraculous. So these were unusual, but then you might say in, in a different way, there are more usual kinds of miracles. Join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, I want to take a minute and tell you about a fantastic book on the subject of the grace of God. This is one of the 
greatest topics that we could ever study and we could ever come to really thoroughly understand. God's grace. God's grace is what saves us. God's grace is what carries us through life. And God's grace is what will ultimately lead us home. And my wife, Cheryl Broderson, she has written an amazing book on grace. It's called A Woman's Battle for Grace. And I would like to recommend this, not just to our women listeners, although it's sort of specifically for women, but it's a little more general on grace. So I think any of you men that would be interested in the topic, you would be blessed by this book as well. So it's called A Woman's Battle for Grace, and it's by Cheryl Broderson. And I want to recommend that you get it and read it, and I guarantee that you'll be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. You can order the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson to help you experience the power of God's grace within your life. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.